0: What is up everybody? My name is Andrew Mencher and this is the Wisdom in Sound Show. If this happens to be your first time with us, welcome. Thank you for showing up. The purpose of this show is to bring you some information that can help jumpstart you on your path as a creative individual or a musician. Or if you're already on your journey, perhaps this can keep you motivated and in the game. If you find some value from what you hear today, I would love to hear your feedback. You can send me an email at andrew at com. In addition, I'm always taking music submissions, so if you have them, please send them over. They can be any genre. I do not discriminate. As long as it's good quality and comes from the heart, we're all good. Also, if you can subscribe and share this with your friends and family, I don't make any money from this. I do this strictly for my passion of interviewing amazing musicians that I look up to and perhaps gain some new insight into what it takes to be successful in the music industry. Also, if you're so inclined, please give me a five-star rate and review. I know every iPhone has a podcast app. You can just search Wisdom & Sound on that app and you'll find the show. Today I have a very special guest. He goes by the name of Pato Bantan. He's been involved with reggae music for a long time. So if you haven't heard of him already, I suggest you do a Google search and check him out right now. Otherwise, it's my pleasure having him on the show. Pato, what's happening, my man? Can you hear me okay?
1: I can hear you perfectly.
0: All right, perfect. So give thanks, man, for taking the time to speak with me today.
1: Nice one.
0: Yeah. What have you been up to lately? You've been touring a lot and still doing your thing?
1: Yeah, touring a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very cool. Cool. Well, I started this podcast to inspire other musicians and artists to take their steps towards their journey, or, or if they're already on their journey, just to keep going. Hopefully, mm-hmm. this will bring them some motivation, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for any new fans, can you give us a little bit of your background and how you got started in reggae music?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... I was born in London, England, I moved to Birmingham at the age of eight, and my mum met my stepdad when I was eight, and he was a Jamaican DJ, so our our family home became the community party house during the weekends and I started helping my stepdad with these parties on the weekend and I started out by being um the lookout because they were illegal parties right um the we 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 lived in England which was pretty racist when I was young and they didn't give the black community much opportunities to have our own venues or to do anything really so for us to have our community get-togethers, we we had to do s- stuff illegally most of the time. Right. Wow. Um, and so um, so I was a lookout at the age of nine. And that's how I got my name, Pato, which is a night owl in Jamaica, a small night owl that comes out at night and goes, Pato! <laughs> Pato! And, um, yeah, so... I basically grew up involved in the sound system, and as reggae music evolved, I evolved into a DJ myself and an MC, and um, that's how I got my initial start on the track of being a reggae artist.
0: Right? Did your stepfather, he was spinning reggae music at that time as well? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. He was.
1: He was a DJ. He was spinning. Before reggae music even existed it was called blue beat ska rock steady. Right. And um you know when reggae music came onto the scene he was right there you know importing it from Jamaica and playing it in the UK.
0: Right, sure. Who was some of the the guys that you were listening to back
1: then? Um in the, in the early days it was like um Prince Buster. Okay, yeah. Um Toots and the Culture, the Abyssinians, Fred Lux, um, eventually Bob Marley. Sure. You sure. know. Um, and the Whalers. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Well, what year was this?
1: I'd say that this was about nineteen seventy seventy, seventy one, seventy two.
0: Right. Wow. Man, I'll tell you, most of the listeners I think are still haven't <laughs> even been born yet, but uh That's amazing, man. What is Kept you in the field for so long.
1: Um, I think the reason why I'm still doing it is because I'm still a fan. Yep. You know, it's never become work to me. I started it out as a hobby, and it's still a hobby. You know, Um, I've never never been a full time reggae artist. You know, right. Um, I've been a I've been a parent. I've been a teacher. You know, I've been a producer of other artists, you know. uh, I've done a lot of different things during my journey as a reggae artist, which has taken me away from the music, um, and some of it has brought me back to the music. Right. But um, I still enjoy, you know, trying other things and trying new things while I continue to continue on this journey of reggae, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was reading your bio on the website and it's very extensive, but uh-huh. it goes into all these different faucets that you've been part of. And has the music led to all these other outlets or was it kind of some of the teaching things led to the music or how did that all happen?
1: Well, music was always the really the vehicle, you know? Um, when I was on my dad's, sound system. Um it led me to work with other sound systems. Um a lot of um other bands would come to my late night sessions and listen to me. Yep. Um that's how I first met the guys in the UB forty. Right. You know they came to my late night sessions just listening to me MC all night. And that led to them eventually inviting me to record with them in the studio, you know.
0: Right, that's amazing. Um,
1: and then from that, um, a local band came and asked me if I would, you know, be the MC in their band. And I had never had any live musician experience at that point. Sure. So I accepted the invitation to go and check out one of their rehearsals. And the day I went to their rehearsal. The lead singer had to move to a different city. So I took over his position and became the frontman of the band and stayed with that band for five and a half years before launching my own career as an MC.
0: Okay. And did you have a crew of people before you met this band that you were doing MCing with or DJing with? Or was it just. Not really. I was
1: just a solo. MC, stroke, DJ. You know, I would spin records and just entertain people from about ten a ten p.m. till about four a.m. in the morning. Right on the weekends, you know, um, which made me understand different styles of music and helped me to learn my chops as an MC. Sure. And how to entertain people, you know, how to warm up an audience, how to bring them to a peak, yeah, and how to send them home and when when I was ready to go to bed <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hear you yeah that's a, a obviously a skill in itself for sure Uh huh. yeah I was reading the story about that single Hello Tosh you did back in the day and uh, the Toshiba commercial I guess was a b- uh-huh. big hit yeah you know people are doing these kinds of things nowadays with videos on YouTube but uh, you were sort of a pioneer in that respect how did you decide that you wanted to do that with that commercial
1: Um, Well, it was really a request from a friend, because at that point, um, I was making um, personalized cassettes um, when that happened, right? and what I would do is I would get 90-minute cassettes, and I had my own DJ set up at home, so I would spin records as though I was in a live situation, you know, and talk on the mic and do some MCing on the mic and play my favorite songs. And then I would sell these cassettes to my friends, you know. Yep. And sometimes certain people would say, can you make a, a personal cassette for me? I want to give it to a friend or, you know, can you sing a certain song on this cassette for me? And then one day one of my close friends says to me, could you write a song about this advert and put it on a cassette for me? Okay. So at first I wasn't really interested, you know, but because he asked me, I was like, okay, I'll do it for you. So I did it for him and gave him the cassette and never thought about it after that. And then I went to a party one night and he ca- he came in and goes, That cassette you gave me, everybody loves it, man. I've been playing it to people and they <laughs> love that song. Could you do that song in the party tonight? hello Tash Toshiba And I'm like man i don't know all right then so i went on the mic and i just said hello tashkara to and the party went crazy what (laughs) everybody started making noise asking me to do it again and then about a month later i did a huge concert in london it was one of my first appearances on the music scene in london and they put me early because I was unknown. And there was hardly anybody in the show when they put me on, David Radigan was the host DJ. And um, I went on early, did my thing and came off, but somebody never turned up. And Radigan said, Pato, would you like to come up and do another song now that the place is packed? And I was like, I would love to. And I was wondering what song should I do? And my driver, um, who later became my manager, said to me do a low touch and I'm like nah man (laughs) I'm gonna do Guan and he's like no man do a low touch man that's the song man and I was like okay so I gave Radigan I told Radigan what song I wanted to do it over Radigan played the instrumental version of a, a a track called get flat okay by the Bloodfire Posse from Jamaica. And it was a a perfect rhythm for this lyric. And so I went on stage in front of a huge audience for the first time. And I just said, hello, God." I didn't even finish the line. (laughs) Everybody started stamping, banging the wood, screaming. Radigan started the song again. I did did the chorus again. The place went crazy again. I tried to do one of the verses, the place just kept going crazy. So I said, <laughs> I'm just gonna do it a cappella. So I did it a cappella. It took me about fifteen minutes to do a three minute song. Wow. Because the people kept on stopping me, just screaming, just you know, making noise for the different things I was talking about yep. throughout the song. After that, you know, I had about four different labels rushing me. Wow. You know, management management companies wanted to sign me. Record labels wanted to sign me and I ended up letting my driver who suggested I do the song, I gave him the role of manager. Wow. And I took the song back to Birmingham and I asked a local record shop owner who had helped me when I was just starting with my first band. I asked him if he wanted to release the song on his label. Very cool rather than going with four major labels i gave it to a local record store owner he released it and did very well
0: it's like you know that story like yesterday almost mm-hmm. yeah man it yep. put a smile on my face <laughs> so that's really what sets you off would you agree with that yes from that you worked with bands like the beat steel pole sting of course you'd be 40 were you trying to break into the American markets or you just like, look, I just want to entertain people. I'm not really concerned.
1: Yeah, I wasn't concerned. I was never concerned about yep. anything apart from just wanting to get the music to people. Actually. You know? And I just really just rode the wave, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: The music just took me to all these different parts of the world and I just rode the wave and <laughs> wherever I ended up, I just gave my best, you know?
0: Yep. Is there any one thing that you can attribute to your ultimate success? Do you feel like you've reached your ultimate success yet?
1: I think I've reached different peaks in my journey, on my journey. Gotcha. You know, and I would, um, I think I would ascribe my success to my willing to collaborate with other people, my willing to give without receiving, you know, there's. I've signed certain deals in the past where most people wouldn't sign them, but I was just more interested in getting the music out, letting people hear me, Yep. and I put that above the money. Yep. And I think that has allowed me to have such a vast catalogue of music now. And the fact that I've worked with so many different labels over the years Was I think was also attributed to my willingness to just get in the studio, get it done, and get it out. You know,
0: absolutely. Do you feel like you were putting out music every week or every month, or how fast were you putting out music?
1: There was a time in the UK I was putting out stuff. Probably I was I was definitely recording stuff every week. Yeah. Um, I was probably putting out stuff every three months. Got you. I think um, the albums is what really establish an artist. You know, yep. presenting an album or a CD with various styles and various tracks, and then people falling in love with that album, you know, um, gets them makes them become fans for, for if not for a lifetime, for a long time. You know,
0: that's the truth. You re-release the. It was like the 82 through the 92. Yeah. It was important to put that back together because these were a lot of tracks that were sort of rare.
1: Yeah, very rare. Yeah, Yeah, Those are tracks that were only released as singles in the UK. Got you. Okay. And some of them were very rare. So it was was a nice project, you know, to put that together for the fans so that they could have the history, you know?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I noticed because you have – almost all of your songs with all the lyrics to it yeah that must have taken a a lot of work to to
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah a lot of work
0: yeah amazing did you go back to have to re-listen or do you have all the lyrics in your head still
1: no i had to re-listen and rewrite everything (laughs) yeah got you
0: (laughs) oh man and how about during your live show, you know, I know you, especially when you do like the 50 states, I mean, I know you've been doing this for a long time, but do you ever have to retrain yourself or relearn your own lyrics?
1: It's amazing, actually. Some of the lyrics, um, especially if a fan will say, Can you do this on the spur of the moment? Yeah. During a show, some fans will ask for a song that I haven't played for seven, eight years. Sometimes I can get the band to to just, you know, play a beat or play the key for me. Yep. And then I can do it on the spur of the moment. Most times I can remember the lyrics. Sometimes I have to ask the fans to come on stage and sing it with me to help me remember the lyrics because they know the song's better than me. <laughs> or sometimes I have to say, you know something, next time I'll have that song ready for you and then I'll go back home and um, learn the the lyric and get the band to learn the song so we've got it in our artillery.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. How important is it for you to take fans' requests, and even if they come with some old, obscure song that you haven't maybe played in a while, do you consider those songs? And do you get requests like that often?
1: Yeah, we, we do get requests like that often yeah and for, for me whenever a fan asks for something i do my best to deliver right you know we just did a tour of florida and and i was doing a, a, a big outdoor concert for free and one of the fans asked me for a song called wise up which i haven't played ah. for 15 years right and um i i told him do you not, do you remember the words he said yes so he came on stage and we just started singing it together and then the drummer started doing something and then the rest of the band started playing a totally different music track, but it went with what we were singing. And we the crowd went crazy, you know, and I was not expecting that at all. And we ended up doing the entire song, even there's like a 16-bar rap in the middle. Uh-huh. This guy knew every single word of the rap, and I was just following him. Right, right. (laughs) And it was awesome. It was very, very awesome, you know? Yep. Oh,
0: man. So, yeah, that's important. I mean, that's a really great lesson to really listening to your audience, understanding them and knowing who they are and giving them what they want.
1: Yeah. And, And sometimes it's good to just ask them, what do you want to hear, you know? Right. And then, you know, you may hear 20 different, songs shouted but you know you'll be able to at least deliver at least half of what they're asking
0: yeah absolutely
1: you know so um we 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 try to have a three hour set ready okay wow we we're, we're normally hired to do a 90 minute set sure so we have another 90 minutes of music that usually we can choose from for encore right wow so Usually, if people haven't heard something that they wanted to hear during the 90 minutes, nine times out of ten, the song they're waiting for is in either 90 minutes. Yep. Arsenal. And then we'll just pull on those tracks as we, as we go along, you know?
0: Yeah. So that's something I read. You don't use set lists. No.
1: Never had a set list. Never. Amazing. And the band don't know what songs I'm going to ask for. Right, you know? right. So, you know, sometimes we have a medley at the beginning of the show that is set.
0: Sure, sure.
1: Um sometimes we have more than one medley. So they don't know which one they're gonna do until it's time to get on stage. Gotcha. And then once that first medley is done, they have no idea what's next. Right. You know? The the it can take any direction from there. I might even tell the guys to take a break while I just do some a cappella songs. Or I might take it up a notch and just go, you know, full, you know, up-tempo and get everybody jamming immediately, you know. It's nice to be flexible and be able to just go with the flow of the audience.
0: Absolutely. I've seen some artists like Capleton, Sizzla, of course you. It's like you guys are controlling the band like it's a sound system mm-hmm yeah <laughs> yeah it's like you're the dj or the maestro yeah and just kind of directing these guys where to go i know you went through a bunch of bands over the years nowadays the bands now generation uh-huh is this your solid band or is it kind of always moving and changing
1: no this is a solid band now okay you know one thing the band loves about me is that i'm not you know, flaky when it comes to musicians, you know. I try to have a musical family. Gotcha. You know, I toured the world with the, now gener- with the reggae revolution for 15 years. Okay, right. You know, and I've had the now generation band now since 2010. So, you know, we've already been together seven years. Amazing. And, um, you know, sometimes musicians come and go, but in general, you know, that is my band. You know, that is my musical family. And I try my best to be as loyal to them as possible and to allow them to work with me on as many shows as possible. There's only sometimes when people call me out to do certain things internationally and they don't have the budget for the entire band that, you know, sometimes I have to go and work with other bands in different parts of the world. But most of the time I always push to have my band because, you know, another band can learn your set they can learn the music but they can't learn the show right you know so it it never feels as good as it would feel as if you had your own band you know
0: are all these guys and gals international or most of them from california
1: yes yeah everyone in the band right now is from california
0: wow and what really brought you over there i mean why california over england
1: um i i guess because of my traveling Over the years, um, I decided, well, I really decided eh, since I was a kid, you know, I was about 12 one day walking to school. And I remember my toes and my fingers were freezing. And I just stood there walking to well, I I stood for a minute on my way to school, and I just started crying. And I said, something tells me that I am not supposed to live in this country. And the first opportunity I get to relocate to a warmer climate, I'm leaving this country. <laughs> yep. And I travel the world. And, you know, when my youngest son turned 18, I told my family, you know, something. it's time for me to check out of England. You know, I've raised my kids, you know, I've fulfilled my responsibility. And now I want to go and, you know, Enjoy my dreams. Yeah. So um, I had to choose between Brazil and California. Got you. And it was only the language barrier why I didn't go to Brazil. Oh, wow. Um, and I decided, okay, California is, you know, and it was not only the weather, but also because of the amount of fans I have in this part of the world that love my music. Yep. I knew that, you know, if I came out here, I would be working all the time, you know, and I would be able to live the life I wanted to live and still be creative, you know, in in a, in a more friendlier climate. And, you know, everything I dream for has come true.
0: That's awesome, man. You know, you realize your dreams, it's still a journey, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you haven't necessarily hit the destination, but must be very enlightening for you to experience this now. Yeah. I know your faith plays a big role in your career. Has it always been like this for you?
1: Always. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why I decided to become a reggae artist was it was the music that inspired me. The music for me as a black kid in England who had no idea about my racial history or my culture or my background Reggae music educated me about my cultural identity, yep. about my roots, and also about my heavenly creator. You know, sure. So, you know, my family was not religious, you know, there was, okay. there was no church or anything like that in our family. So, reggae and my family never discussed Jamaica or our roots from Jamaica back to Africa. That was never, ever discussed. So it was the music that educated me and let me know who I was on a physical level and on a spiritual level. And I decided that I wanted to give that back to the music.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so I, I, ever since reggae inspired me, I went on a religious search that lasted 20 years to figure out which religion was the right one for me. Sure. And to figure out who I was in the scheme of racial history and who I was in the scheme of my eternal future, you know?
0: Absolutely.
1: And and everything I've learned over the years, I've always applied it to my music.
0: Yeah, it seems all these things, these, if you will, these twines of fabric they all interweave Mm -hmm. into this beautiful it makes up who you are so it's all part of that yes yeah well pato where can people reach out to you what's the best place i mean i know you have your website Mm patobantan.com are you on twitter and facebook all that
1: i'm mostly on facebook okay that's really my home (laughs) got you so people can find me on facebook and you know i respond to all of my fans personally i don't have anyone managing my social media i don't even have a manager so you know wow. people can go to my website and contact me directly through my website or they can go to social media facebook and contact me directly through there and i will respond to them personally
0: yeah that's definitely important some of the mentors that i look up to are always about contact people reach out to them let them know that you care let them know you're a real person and so hearing it from someone in your stature it just humbles myself you know for sure
1: nice one bro yeah man yeah i just want to let people know that this year i released two albums
0: okay are they ready to come out or they're coming out
1: they're out they're out they just they just got released one of them is called the words of rastafari okay Um, And that is a three CD box set.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, awesome.
1: And I also did a magazine of the words as well, which is on magcloud.com. Perfect. And you can find the album on CD Baby, and it it should be on iTunes any day now too. And then the second album, which I just released last week, is called Love is the Greatest, which is like an international album with me featuring other artists. It's called... Love is the Greatest Part of Banton and Friends. And that should be on iTunes now too. But it's definitely on CD Baby. And those are are my two new releases that people should check out.
0: Beautiful. How long have you been working on these albums?
1: The Words of Rastafari, five years. And Love is the Greatest, about two years.
0: Got you. And The Words of Rastafari, that one is with the band now? Or was that other rhythms?
1: Um, that is basically me and Antoinette. Okay. And mainly me and Antoinette in the recording studio, um, creating Bob Marley tracks. Awesome. Recreating Bob Marley tracks right. and putting the words of Rastafari over those tracks and some other very very old Jamaican rhythms that we like a lot. We recreated all of them and put the words over them, and it's beautiful. As soon as you hear the rhythms, you'll go, that's that one, that's that one, that's that one. And then the words of Selassie are just amazing. I'm I'm just narrating Selassie's speeches.
0: Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking for that. I'm already on CD Baby. So were you working side by side on those two?
1: Yes. Both of those albums was conceptualized. From start to finish. And I'm actually working on another one right now. Right. Which I was working on at the same time as those.
0: <laughs> wow. Amazing. Give thanks, man. And I even see <laughs> you have uh, nothing more powerful than love with The Ambassador, which is a track that we did. Yep. Oh, man. It's such an honor. Well, I do want to play this track for you guys right now. It's with The Ambassador. You can check him out at theambassadormusic.com. And I hope you enjoy it. <music> Na, na 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 na
1: na 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 yeah yeah man. Original
2: Willy. Papa Bantan along with the ambassador. Na na na. Let me tell you man. Na 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 yeah. It's all about loving her. Eh? Yeah man.
1: Chua La no. no. Blessings. Name them one by one And give all the thanks and praise to Jah For all that he has done Count your blessings Name them two by two Then open up your heart and let your love come true I feel good Yes I'm always faithful I got blessings in the barrel and the crate full. I feel good And I'm always grateful I got a roof over my head and my plate full I feel good no I'm never wasteful Lord I can't forgive and forget I'm never hateful i loving and graceful I pray the words from my are ever tasteful I give taste thanks that my works are always oh. fruitful And that this love oh. in my heart and soul will keep me youthful Cause love is powerful and it's so wonderful Yes, it's a blessing from above and it's so beautiful Because there's nothing more
2: powerful than love, yeah Nothing more powerful than love, yeah I know it, yeah I know it, yeah no tengo powerful than love, yeah. Nothing more powerful than love, oh yeah.
0: Give thanks, man. I love that tune.
1: Yeah, tell, tell him get in touch. I'm ready to do a video. There's, we've done videos for nearly every track on the album already.
0: Okay, very cool, man. So you're just, I mean, you're not stopping.
1: No, not at all. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you're putting out more than you've ever done before.
1: Yeah, I am. Yeah, plus I'm yeah. introducing other people's albums too. So I've got a lot of stuff getting ready to come out soon.
0: Love it is there any advice or any kind of words you can give to aspiring artists?
1: My my advice, you know, is that the music industry is always changing. So educate yourself about the industry you're getting involved in. Mm. You know, um, surround yourself with people who are encouraging, people who believe in you. The last thing you want to do is be, around people who are always putting you down or that don't like your music because you can't please everybody. But if you can please 10% of the population, that's a lot of people, (laughs) you know? Yeah. My other advice is to be true to who you are, you know? Don't spend too much time looking at other people and trying to follow other people because if you do, then you'll always be a follower and you'll never find your own niche, So be true to yourself, be true to the music that you want to create, even if it means taking the rough road for a while, eventually people will get to love you for what you provide and who you are. And my last word of encouragement is to stay positive and never give in.
0: (laughs) Indeed. You're a man of many talents, Pato, and a lot of wisdom.
1: Thank you, my brother.
0: Thank you for your time and blessings, Pato. All right, you got it. You guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I love Pato. He's a man of my own heart for sure. For someone who's been doing this for so long and can still take the time to sit down and talk with me and, of course, respond to all the fans on Facebook, it's just amazing. And I'm really left feeling humbled and just excited for the future. So again, if you guys find value in what you heard today, please give me a five-star rate and review on iTunes. You can also send me some feedback to Andrew at wisdomandsound.com. I always want to improve and make this show amazing for you since I'm trying to build a great community and inspire people. Otherwise, give thanks for being here. I really appreciate it as always. My name is Andrew Mencher and this is Wisdom and Sound